My name is Kate the Socialite and you're listening to episode 86 of The Kate Show. Got a question for you. What do you think it takes to become an HGTV interior designer and receive public acknowledgement from the Real Estate Staging Association that you are one of the most influential people in the industry? Well, my special guest today, Rachel Moriarty, will tell you. I've been following Rachel for several years and I was so excited to get her on the show today. We are going to fully capture her business wisdom, the ingenious ways that she has been marketing herself, and why the biggest thing you need to focus on in your business is finding yourself versus waiting for people to find you. Rachel has so much experience growing a design brand, generating her own publicity, and even developing her own line of mosaic tiles. So if you want to follow in her footsteps, or if you just want to pioneer your own path for your design, staging, or workroom business, today's interview is going to show you what you need to do first. But before we dive into the interview, let me tell you a little bit more about Rachel. Rachel Moriarty is an award-winning designer whose work over the last 14 years has delivered her own sense of bold, playful patterns and brilliant, bright strokes of color throughout San Diego County. In addition to her iconic design projects, she recently launched a signature tile line with Elegant Mosaics. She's described as a leading interior design influencer, and she was named one of the most influential people in real estate staging. She's been celebrated and featured by Vision Magazine, San Diego Magazine, San Diego Home Garden Lifestyle Magazine, The Design Network, and of course, HGTV. Rachel is named as the brand ambassador for the Design Network and credited as part of the design team that developed their e-design platform. She is an alumnus for both the Red Carpet Tour and Trendspotter for the Modinus Design Hounds KBS Tour. She is also a number one best-selling author and a sought-after presenter on the subjects of color and visibility. I know you guys are excited to hear all the advice that Rachel has to offer you, so have your pens and pencils ready. We're diving right in. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Does marketing your interior design, home staging, or workroom business give you anxiety? Guys, I get it. I used to hate marketing. That is, until I found a way to make it easy and simple. Now I share my secrets with all my members over at socialitevault.com. As a member, you get access to social media posts, captions, hashtag sets, email newsletters, client welcome packets, branded magazines, and more ensuring that you'll have a complete sales funnel for attracting new clients even when you're asleep or just too busy to even think about your marketing. Turn those hours you spend worrying about your marketing into hours spent working on new client projects. Your business deserves high quality marketing and you deserve to get your time back. There is no contract required for this service, so head over to socialitevault.com to get started.
All right, everyone, I am here with Rachel. Rachel, welcome to The Kate Show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am really excited that you're here. And we have a lot to discuss today. We were just chatting off air about how achieving all the different things that you have achieved in your career to date, because obviously you're not done. <laughs> you're, not gonna, you're not going anywhere. Um, can be almost intimidating especially when people think to themselves, well, that's her story and maybe she had help, maybe she had, you know, bigger influence, but it can't be my story because X, Y, Z. And today I'd like to pull back the curtain on your career and your, your journey to where you are. So let's just dive into the beginning. You used to be a banker, right? I was, I was a private banker and um, I serviced high net worth um, individuals and businesses, but, um, I wasn't always a banker. That wasn't my like natural thing, but I was always a creative from my early days of working. And when the recession hit is when, you know, I was in the furniture industry at the time and no sales were coming in and it was like full, full commission. And I went into banking thinking it was the safer thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> which is not the safe thing to do during a recession. Do not go into the banking industry, <laughs> but it was great. I, I spent a lot longer there than I thought I would. It, I spent eight years there and um, it was, it was tough. It was, it was one of the, the hardest things I did. I needed to do it. I think for, to get that business end of thing, I needed to do it for a money mindset issues. It was fun to see how people with, of high net worth kind of move their money around and, and didn't, you know, didn't have the mindset issues that I had at that time. And also um, the sales training was amazing. And so in banking, banking sales, I thought it was service when I went into it, but it's all sales. And they have the most incredible relationship um, selling uh, trainings that you can, you can go through. So it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, kind of a, a, you know, fork in the road, but, but I made it back. <laughs> Now, I'm really curious, uh, and this is not a question I sent you ahead of time, but do you mind sharing what sort of money mindset issues you were able to overcome? Because that's another big thing for a lot of my listeners. Yeah. So like I said, I had always been a creative. And so I really didn't have that. Um, I was totally confident in my, in my creative, you know, my creativity and, and all that. But I didn't have the business side of it, and I wasn't um, like I didn't know spreadsheets and all that stuff. So um, I also was like, you know, was never great at like charging people what I was worth or turning in my invoices or, you know, really confident in any, any any of the pricing strategies. So it just sort of helped me when I when I would watch people, um, for example, they would, the first thing they would do is create an LLC. Then the second thing they would do was open bank accounts before they did anything. And, I, and so I would just kind of watch that and go, Oh my gosh. So they do the business part and then they do the entity work and then they create a place for the money to go, you know? And it, and so it's like, they, they're expecting to have all this money flow through there, you know? And so then what they do is they just move money around like it's nothing. It's like you'd call them and be like, oh, you know, we need so much over in this account. They'd be like, okay, just sweep it from here and sweep it from there. And, you know, it was like almost monopoly. There was no emotion attached to it, which was 
kind of my story, you know, everything kind of had this weird emotion attached to it. That's so interesting because a lot of us look at money and all we feel are emotions. Mm -hmm. We don't think about, well, let's look at a profit loss statement. Let's do this strategically. Let's have a financial plan. It's just more like I can only speak for myself. In the early days of my business, the idea of opening my QuickBooks account made me want to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't, no, I don't know about this whole money thing. I know how to make money, but right. I have had the same issues with sending people invoices because mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, hold my breath, hit send and hope yeah. that they don't say, oh, that's too much, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's like, oh my goodness, that is the heart of a business. I mean, if mm-hmm. a business isn't making money, then it's just a charity. Right. So, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, especially women, I I honestly have never met a man with this problem, but women, especially creative women have that deep seated fear of money. Yeah. Even though we're totally capable of making it and managing it and being successful. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why I think it's such an interesting juxtaposition that you went from banking into design and what, at what point did you make that transition or I guess what inspired it? Because that is like, a 180 turnaround. Yeah, it totally was. So I had gone, I kept getting, um, kind of, I was, I was never a great banker. It was never easy for me. What I was great at was the relationship selling. And every time I got into a new office, they just loved my energy and they would always say, you're going to be the face of this branch or you're going to be the face of this. They kept saying that like, it was so weird. It was all, it was four different companies and they'd be like, we're going to make you the face of this. We're going to make you the face of that. And they would be, I'd be the one they'd send out to networking events and you know, all that stuff. I'd be like the, the first desk as, as you enter. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. Uh, so how did you then go from doing that to diving into interior design? Okay. So I ended up in my last office and it was uh, one of those situations that it was just the, it was tense. As soon as I, I took that job and started, I, w- I was like, uh, this I'm in the wrong place. This is the wrong move. Um, but the funny thing was not coincidentally, every single, um, staff member was also a creative. So there were authors, published authors, there were musicians that, you know, did gigs at night. There was one woman who had a restaurant with her husband. Everybody had a creative side. And at this time I was a banking officer and everyone had like VP titles and they were like really high level creatives. And it was the first time that I saw that I could do both. And I, you know, I, I thought it was like one or the other, you know, you're a banker and you shelf your creativity. So it was no coincidence that I landed in here and I started side hustling my design business. Um, and then about six months later, I had enough momentum to quit my job. I had some money piled up and, you know, I had about a six month runway, which I, I look back at what I thought was a six month runway. It was probably not, but, um, I had enough momentum and, and work in the pipeline that I can make that transition full time into design. So had you worked for other interior designers in the past or was it strictly, I'm going to do this. I am an interior designer now. Yeah, it was that wow. it was absolutely that, but I did work in the furniture industry. So I did work for um, Ethan Allen. I worked for Bassett um, and they do great education on case goods and furnishings, upholstery, um, sales training as well. Uh, I learned how how to do space planning, 
home, you know, house calls, all of that. So uh, I didn't work for a design firm, but I worked in the furniture industry. Okay, got it. So when you then launched your design business, were you able to pinpoint an ideal client right away? Or at what point were you able to really hone in on your specialties? Mm, it wasn't until a few years later um, into it. I, I basically took anything I, that would come at me, which, you know, was kind of what you do in the beginning. You're build, I was building my body of work. Um, but what I started noticing is there was a certain type of woman that I just jived with, and she was an executive woman um, and a fast decision maker. So it was like a, an executive level woman between, four, you know, in her 40s and 50s is my ideal client now. Okay. And um, just tell everyone listening, you also offer virtual interior design services. Is that right? I do. So when I first came, I, I'm a huge introvert. It's really hard for anyone to believe that, but huge introvert. And so literally when I kind of, you know, did my business, um, this was in the middle of 2015, I just wanted to stay home behind my laptop. I didn't want to be the face of my business. I didn't want to go to anyone's house. <laughs> It's so ironic. So I, I know. I literally thought that was going to be, I thought I was just going to be a virtual designer. Like that's what, that was all I wanted. Um, and so that's how I started. I still offer it. And if I do it, it's more like a hybrid. Like I'll go in and do with the measure and all that. And then all the deliverables will be virtual. Um, but I don't really get that claim anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you've definitely exceeded that and now it's like just from what I see when I follow you or even go to your website or look at the press that you're in you are now like a designer in demand and mm. and that I'm just gonna brag about you because I know you're not gonna brag about yourself <laughs> but it needs to be acknowledged so you went from being someone who felt sick about sending invoices and thinking you should hide behind your laptop to then having your own line of mosaic tile and becoming a, a best-selling author and like all these different things that are very visible and very public. But as we all know that overnight success actually takes years to come to fruition. So I'm curious, after you started your design business and you were doing the whole trying to hide behind your laptop deal, at what point did you get that first big win or a small win? that started to catapult you in a different direction or change your mindset? Mm, okay. So, you know, I think my first win was it, it was just a weird intuitive thing. I was just having pictures taken of me and I was literally, I would be at my mom's house or my sister's house or a friend's house and just kind of like literally building my body of work. And I just would take pictures of me and my, my, they call, everyone started calling it the Rachel pose of like putting a pillow on a sofa, putting a pillow on a bed, doing the karate chop, you know, basically that. Mm -hmm. And then I would start getting, you know, a couple of DMS asking, can you come do my house? Can you come, you know? And I was like, wait a minute, this, there's something here. So I just started kind of, building more of that up and just, you know, me out shopping, me out at the flea market, me out. And that's my first win was just realizing that I could market myself and my services on uh, social media. You know, 
that is something I have to just stop and highlight because, again, I speak with a lot of designers and home stagers who are terrified of the idea of having photos taken of themselves, of sharing their personal lives, of sharing where they're going and what they're doing, even as a business owner, and putting that on social media. But so that was literally the beginning of the, something, the trajectory that changed mm -hmm. everything for you. And it wasn't even hard. No, that's no, the far it, part. It's, you know what? It's noticing. It's noticing what people, I, there's something about fluffing a pillow or putting, you know, showing yourself in an environment, doing the work. Um, people just love, that's why HGTV is so popular, right? I mean, mm -hmm. people just love that behind the scenes look. Absolutely. So to all my listeners, you hear me talk about this every single week, but here is proof right in front of you that showing who you are as a person is incredibly beneficial to your business because you are your business's biggest asset. So was there, I was just going to say, especially yeah. stagers, stagers have these like awesome warehouses, these trucks, all this beautiful inventory, you know, mm -hmm. it's like they have the ideal behind the scenes, like what it really takes, you know, to be able to build content. I'm, I'm super jealous. They have that, all that at the, you know, at their fingertips. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Because in a given week, a stager could do an Instagram story multiple times a day mm -hmm. showing the install they're doing or how they destage something or yeah. giving a tour of what they just did and explaining yeah. why it works. I mean, exactly. the content is endless. It's endless. How, how, and then the stats, how quickly we're destaging it only took this stuff was in here a week because you know, that's how fast the house sold after we staged it or, you know what I mean? There's a gazillion yeah. things. Yeah, and that's what the real estate agent or the builder or the investor wants to know. I mean, you know, they'll appreciate, okay, this space looks great, but what about the financial side of it? And exactly. when, you, when you can share that, I'm, that, that is the proof in the pudding that that's, a lot of people... A, yeah, yeah, that's a gold vein. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, was there ever a point in your design journey that you felt like giving up? Because we just see the highlight reel. We see all the wins and all the success and all the publicity. But was there ever a time where you were like, I can't do this or I don't want to anymore? You know what? There was honestly never a time that I said, I can't, I can't do this. I've had many I don't want to do this moments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's it's always ironic to me. I put a lot of Rachel Moriarty out there. There is a lot. And I do it because I like to magnetize my clients to me. I like to show them my color and my global vibe and my, you know, all of the like kind of boldness that's associated with me. But every once in a while, I would still get that client that's, uh, you know, afraid of color. And I, I'm like, and they will come through Instagram. And I'm like, it's shocking to me and it's a really hard, it makes projects really hard and, and long because we're not jiving. Um, but I never, it's never made me like really want to throw in the towel. It just makes, makes it kind of drudgery. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, 
but you know, there, there are some things, I mean, I've seen, I, I run a community of about 2000 interior designers and I see it a lot, you know, a lot of, you know, I love change. I see a lot of people have a fear of change. I love being uncomfortable and staying uncomfortable. That's what kind of like juices me up. Um, I'm not really afraid of failure. I always think of it as a, as an opportunity. So that's not really a pitfall for me. And, um, you know, and like I said, I mean, I have projects, I have bad days, I have bad clients, you know, I have things that go wrong. Um, but I don't think that like when I first quit my banking job, I thought, oh, I, I can always get a, a banking job again. Now I think I'm unemployable. So <laughs> it's not even really an option. So I don't even think I let myself go there. <laughs> you know, I can relate with that because after I had started running my own business for like two years and I started to see some success, I was like, well, now I can't go back because right. I'm not going to be happy being under someone else's umbrella. And yeah. doing things the way they want it done because now I have my own opinions and I'm used to running with what I want to do and pivoting and, yeah. and constantly challenging myself because it sounds like you're the type of person who could get bored very easily. Would that be so accurate? Easy. So easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see you over there. Yes. I, and I, and again, I totally relate to that and that's why you are clearly fired up about your business every single day because you can take it in whatever direction you want and you can launch new things and you can put yourself out there so that you are simultaneously attracting your ideal client and repelling most of your non-ideal clients. Yeah. You know, I mean, we yeah. always get, we get the one or two. We weird get those ones. little sneakers. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I'll always ask myself too, like, how did this happen? How did I, I do get the here? Same thing. I'm like, <laughs> am I not putting enough out there? I feel like Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a conundrum. I don't know if we'll ever figure that one out entirely, but, right. but I'm curious. So clearly you've come a long way just as a person, as Rachel, from when you first started your design business until now. So do you think of yourself or view yourself any differently now than you, when you first started? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So talk about one thing that I, I will just say is you have to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself because I don't know who that voice in the head in your head is, but uh, when I first started doing this and started side hustling over and over and over in my head was a voice that kept saying, no one's ever going to hire a banker to decorate their home or design their home. Like, what are you thinking? Like, I don't know whose voice that was, but it wasn't until I started talking to myself instead of listening to myself that like I changed things. And so what I did is I, you know, I always knew that even though banking was kind of a little bit of a hard journey for me, that wasn't for nothing. And so I took my, I did a look back and I just kind of threaded everything that I had done and I just outlined it in bullet points. And then I hired a, a copywriter and I said, can you write my story for me? And when she sent it back to me, it was everything that I had in the outline, but it sounded so badass that I just couldn't, I couldn't, there was such a disconnect. I would read it and it was, it would not register that it was me. And so I put it, even, I was still working my banking job and I would put it up and I'd read it several times a day, every day, every day, every day, until I connect, made that like the synapses started firing. And um, so I, I was just, I just felt like an imposter mm -hmm. until I made all of that kind of like soak in 
And it's so, it's so different now. Like I am so thrilled to be the face of my business. I am so happy not to be, you know, trying to be hiding behind my computer. The other part that was hard for me was to get out into my community um, in person. Cause then I was, I was like, you know, great online, but to get out in person was another thing. So, uh, you know, that was another obstacle I had, but now I love it. I, I love it. You know, you're, the tactic you used where you read your story multiple times a day, I mean, that's a real psychological thing that, mm-hmm. uh, that therapists will use to help rewire people's brains. And when you mentioned that inner critic and how you need to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself, mm-hmm. all I can say is amen, woman, amen. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, we have these really nasty inner critics and sometimes it's just a voice that's echoing from our past, but sometimes it is literally just a part of us that is afraid of what will happen if we succeed or if we step outside of our little box, if we go beyond the comfort zone and it's just a fear of the unknown, but we often confuse that with a fear of oh, we're not able to do that. Or if we do that, we're going to fail and look stupid or feel stupid when the truth is we're not, you know, it, we just have yeah. to do it. The other thing like that I noticed was fear and excitement kind of feel the same way in my, in my body. I don't know how it is for everyone else, but sometimes I would register things as fear when I was just really excited. It was just kind of like, pre-stage jitters or something like that. You know what I mean? And so that was a thing I had to identify in my body and be like, oh, I let that, that I used to let that kind of hold me back thinking it was fear, but I was just actually super excited. Maybe yeah. a little nervous or something, you know, but, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. I mean, and it, we have a lot more control over our feelings and our emotions and our responses to things than we think. And when you took charge of it and said, okay, that's not fear, that's excitement. That changes the entire dynamic. Mm-hmm. Now, Absolutely. how now I can see how this has really helped you in the way you market yourself, the way you market your design brand. So what would you say if you could say anything to someone who is still struggling and they're still listening to that inner critic, they're afraid to put themselves in front of say a video camera or share snippets of their personal lives on social media is what would you tell them that is like the number one thing they should start doing right now to start silencing all of those inner critic voices? Yeah, I would say, you know, just, you know, use that strategy that I used and and write down your story and, and kind of like in a future way, you know, like future casting, um, you have to get clarity. That is one of the things I talk to my community about all the time. If you don't know what kind of designer you will be, you'll just kind of stay there. Like, do you want to be an industry personality? Do you just want to be the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday kind of designer? You know, do you want to be what there's so many different, you know, ways to go and ways to be a designer today. So I think for the first thing is the clarity and then that will kind of show you, if you want to be on HGTV, you better get on some Facebook lives and some IG stories. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. use your own platform before, you know, you want somebody else to put you on theirs. So just figuring out the, the, you know, getting started, don't wait. Video is not going away. Um, it's becoming, you know, 
I think people are more and more people are kind of expecting to see some kind of video of you, whether it's raw or produced. Um, and I think the, the longer you wait, the harder it gets. So I would just, you know, start. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is the advice that everyone needs and no one wants to hear. Of, right. of just start like you know you can take an online course which it's always helpful you can join a Facebook community always helpful but it doesn't change the fact that you have to just begin and you'll fumble yeah. around but you'll figure it out and you'll be better for it and the other thing is like I don't even think I found my voice until I started using it I was so in my head I never got the words out of my mouth you know and so yeah. once I started getting the words out of my mouth then I really came into my own yeah, and I think it's the difference between waiting for someone to find you, waiting to be found versus finding yourself. Right. Oh my gosh, yes. I love that. Now, this is really good for my listeners because they need the encouragement, they need the confidence, they need to put themselves out there more. But with your experience, is there anything that you suggest designers and stagers don't do in their businesses or especially in their marketing, something that you found doesn't work or just something that is honestly a big no-no? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that I've done, but I see and it, it's cringy to me is um, people getting a, like nervous or scared or desperate and cheapening their brand or their services. Um, that, that to me is like a big no-no. I think it reeks of desperation. You can kind of see when people are like flash sale, you know, it's like, oh, they need to, they need to build up some cash. You know what I mean? Yep. So <laughs> that's what I think, you know, you don't want to be the, go out there and be the low price leader because you, you might not get out of that. It might take you, it might be better just to wait for a little bit of a better client to come along um, than to, you know, go in and try to be the low price leader. You are speaking my language because we talk a lot on this show about not making paranoia-induced marketing decisions. And I know exactly what sort of social media posts you're talking about, where yeah. all of a sudden someone has, uh, they're trying to push the free consultations, which, yes. you know, don't even get me started on the yeah. idea of a free consultation. But that whole concept, yeah, it discredits them as a designer it doesn't actually put money in their bank account mm -hmm. and they end up attracting clients that they never should have been working with because those clients do not value them. So and they probably can't afford them. Yeah. You know? And so as you continue on, if the scope, you know, expands, then you're stuck. Absolutely. And I'm interested to hear your take on uh, when someone is in the position where they feel like they need to, to cheapen their services or they need to do something out of desperation, what could they do instead? You know, I always think package something up, start giving value. That's when, what happened with me. I had nothing. I had a goose egg in my pipeline. I, you know, did my big thing where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this, you know, design firm thing. And then I hit a point where I had nothing in my pipeline. And that is what I was going to bed and I was worrying, uh, you know, all the bills were coming. I was going to have to dip into savings. And I had got this intuitive hit that said, get on Facebook live tomorrow and do a 30 day challenge. 
And I was like, oh, you got the wrong girl. And so <laughs> <laughs> I always say I'm motivated by public shame. So I got up, I flipped on Facebook Live. I said, hey, I'm going to do a 30-day challenge. This is day one. Let me know if you have any dis dilemmas, blah, blah, blah. And I just went every day, every day, every day for 30 days. It let, and then I did 50 days after that. And then I went for over a year. And that exploded my business because I was just giving value. People were getting, you know, people were like hitting me up and saying, Hey, you know, Hey, I have this patio, you know, can you give me some things that, you know, how to refresh this patio? And I'd make it like when I got somebody that like, get, you know, gave me an inquiry like that, I'd make it even, I'd expand it a little bit more and they'd be like, Oh, you know what? You know, I'm, I can't do all that. Just come. Can you come do it for me? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. If you give someone all the advice and the tutorials, they'll look yes. at it and be like, no, no that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good because it shows your value as a designer. I mean, I and that there's a strategy to things and a process. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not this fun little thing. It's, it's thought out and it's, you know, you, it's, it's not easy. And that's what you have to kind of show sometimes. Yeah. Now, when you were doing these live videos or stories how long were they like how many minutes each day did you spend doing this i'm trying to give listeners some perspective here yeah i think they were longer in the beginning because i was nervous um so what i would do is just over kind of over prepare and have all these points and then i would like and go to my website and there's a free download if you want you know closet design or whatever for decluttering I was building all this stuff so it was it was a little longer now I, I'm still doing it I hop on for about five I try to keep it under 10 minutes mm -hmm. so I mean really once you get in the groove it it sounds like it becomes like anything else you would do in business where it's just part of your day and yes. it gets done Makes it helps me habit. stay camera ready. It helps me get up in the morning and which is the part I miss about going. That is the one thing I miss about corporate was just, you know, that routine of like getting up, getting in the shower, getting dressed, getting, you know, mm -hmm. and that it, I'm so creative and so like against my calendar. I'm always like, you know, trying to do my own thing and not look, looking at the calendar. It kind of helps me do get ready and, you know, kind of have a face so I can flip on and start doing IG stories at any time. Or, and I'm one of those people that I have to do video when I'm inspired. I can't make myself do it when it's, when I'm not, you know, it just, the energy doesn't come through. Yeah. Because you're a true creative, you know, that's, that's yeah. how we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not doing it till I feel like it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not performing monkeys over here. So right. Right. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I've got a few questions for you about where you're at currently. Sure. Uh, you have designed a lot of different things for HGTV and that's something that you don't just wake up one morning and find out, Oh, I'm going to do this. So right. what are the biggest misconceptions that you've found people have around being an HGTV designer? Because again, it goes back to, well, maybe, maybe she had um, connections that no one else has, or she was born with more opportunity, but it's like, that's all a load of crap. We know that you have to be good to get noticed and you have to, like we said earlier, find yourself before other people or PR places are going to find you. So what, what's the real scoop on that? Um, you have to be visible. I mean, that word has gotten so buzzy now, but I, it's, it's no joke. Like I was doing Facebook lives every day. I was in that one year period and 
you know, I was always getting DMs and private messages from people. But one day I got um, a private message from the, the owner of the design network and it said, hey, you're going to be my, my new best friend. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we did. We worked together so much in 2018. Um, you know, I did um, content for him. I did, um, you know, panel discussions. I helped him launch his e-design platform. Uh, we worked so much together in 2018. It was just an opportunity that came from my Facebook lives. And the other thing is you have to have, you know, your social media has to be on point, but so does your web your website. It has to have your updated projects. It has to have current blog posts. It has to have a lot on it because they might find you on Instagram, but they're going to go to your home. They're going to go check your home out, you know, and that is where I've gotten a lot of um, production people. Um, I've had shopping agreements done, casting reels done, um, all kinds of things, but it's really based on my website. They find me on Insta, but they'll go to my website. Yes. I mean, the website is the mothership of any brand. Yeah. So it's important that that's where a majority of your effort is being focused. So I'm really glad mm -hmm. that you said that because I know that right now the tendency is for designers, stagers, and even workrooms to just pour all their energy into Instagram or into Facebook and then just leave their website on the wayside, leave their mailing list on the wayside and think, okay, I'll deal with that later. That doesn't matter. Social media is where it's at. But it's simply not true. I mean, social media is just the tip of the iceberg. It's funny. And I'm not a blogger. Like I, I think I'm cringy for a lot of people that know how to blog the, the real way. I actually kind of use my blog. I do go into, into a little more, um, behind, I can show because I have all these professional photos. So I want to, I use photos first and then I do the stories or tips based on my photos. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing I do. But another thing I do is like really big highlights, like awards and stuff like that. I do a blog post about it. Um, just so that it lives on my site instead of, you know, it could, you know, fall away in the feeds of, you know, Facebook and Instagram, but I want it, I want it to live on my, so I feel like sometimes it's like a long form post you know, on, on, on my blog. But for me, it's been great. It's been great for when clients, cause my clients are really high level and they know what they're doing and they're going to vet me and seeing those awards there and all that stuff. Um, it's been really great. I mean, it's kind of genius because you're handling your own PR and you're doing it in the way that you want it done. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's so smart. Now, Transitioning a little bit over, I know that fairly recently you released your own designer line of mosaic tiles. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about that? And then um, if you have any advice for someone who is like, oh, I want to do my own line so bad, but I'm not sure where to start. Absolutely. So the first thing is, again, visibility. No, you know, at, at the end of the day, product lines are about um, sales. And so you have to be out there. You have, it's, it's a collaboration, you know, you can't just, you know, Hey, I want you to do all the media for me or, or do all the, you know, social posts for me. It really is a true collaboration. Um, I met the Cohen brothers at high point 
and um, we connected there. We kind of, you know, spent a good couple of days going around doing all these things. Um, but then I connected with them on social and kept the contact. They were following me and kind of like would comment on what I was wearing and all these bold colors I was using. And when they went from a natural stone company into bringing color into their line, I was like a top of mind person for them. So I had, you know, the other thing I'm gonna say is not only do you have to be visible and be willing to market, not only yourself, but your product line, you have to have some kind of point of view. You have to come to them with something different than they, you know, than the other designer. Uh, the other designers, sorry. Yeah, no, that it makes complete sense. I mean, if you want your own line, you have to be unique and you can't be unique if you're hiding behind something or right. not putting yourself out there. So I like how it all just ties back to being visible. Mm-hmm. Now, it sure does. And, and if people want to see what you mean by being visible, where can they find you on social? On, on Instagram, at Rachel Moriarty Interiors, and then on Facebook, both on my personal and my um, Rachel Moriarty Interiors. I also have a community called Visibility with Rachel. There's about 2,000 interior designers, stagers, and decorators in there. Um, and yeah, we should, we should chat, chat about being visible. <laughs> I love it because I, I bet you get a lot of newbies in there who start out nervous and then you get yeah. to watch them grow and evolve. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now on a more tactical side, um, do you have say like two or three different tools that you use daily to run your business, whether it's like internal stuff or marketing um, things that would really help our listeners out as far as efficiency and saving yeah. them time? Of course, uh, especially the smaller you are, I think it's more important to have, invest in, you know, marketing programs um, and project management. So for project management, I use my Doma Studio and, it, you know, I do all my contracting and invoicing through there. Um, it houses everything, you know, communications and inspiration photos and, and all that stuff, product lists. I mean, it does everything that you need. Um, I use Keynote for concept boards, Icovia for space planning, and then I use Kate the Socialite and her Socialite <laughs> Vault for a marketing inspiration branded magazines. Um, and it's great because I do sometimes get contented out and, you know, you always have the perfect words and, you know, I don't always do like the call to action and stuff like that. And it always kind of brings me back in and, and moving traffic to my website. Um, your client welcome packet is beyond <laughs> amazing. And your branded magazines are on point. Every, I mean, it's just amazing. So that has been a great resource. It, I feel like it made me legit because one thing I am not great at is graphics. And so that was just having that and be those templates and, and stuff. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on your podcast. That's a legitimate thing that I use. Well, thank you. I, I was not expecting you to list that. I'm expecting uh, definitely my Doma and a few other things, but oh, my, I'm blushing now. My goodness. Thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what my membership is intended to do. So it's always good to know that, aha, it works. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for your time today, for the wisdom that you've imparted. And I'm going to be linking to your social media and your Facebook group 
in the show notes. That way people can connect with you and learn from you. But thank you again. Awesome. For being here. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was so fun to chat with you. All right, everyone. As I said, head over to the show notes for this episode. If you would like to follow Rachel and learn more about her story and learn more about how you can be more visible in your business. And until then, remember, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.